It's time for JT the Brick. I love my job. I love the opportunity that I can come in here and talk to the Raider Nation. Talk to JT. As we are rolling on on the biggest topic in the NFL, who will be the Raiders quarterback? This is nothing to dive into and look crazy about. Have we lost our bleeping mind? Look, the elephant in the room is the majority of our audience are Raider fans, and they would like the Raiders to win now. They don't want to rebuild. They don't care about two or three years. The last 20-plus years have been hard, and they're sick of it. Excuses die. The record stands. JT the Brick. Are you kidding me? It's an absolute free-for-all with the Raiders on national radio debate shows. Everybody now is throwing blank up against the wall. No, no, no. Who are you listening to? Who's putting this in your head? But what happens next is what should this team do that's responsible, not reckless, makes sense, and could kind of thread the needle and get this team back to greatness. Are you with me on that? Put some respect on JT the Brick's name. And now. Sound off like you got a pair. Here's JT the Brick. Welcome back, everybody. JT here in Vegas. Thanks for listening to the flagship of the Raiders, Raider Nation Radio. We talk sports, not just Raiders. The LSU win over Iowa. What we saw with Angel Reese and Caitlin Clark is available to talk about today, the opening weekend in Major League Baseball. The pitch clock, pleasantly surprised. I didn't notice it. Watched a lot of Yankee baseball over the weekend. I didn't get involved with the clock, but everybody seems to be really happy about it. And we have the men's championship game tonight which I've been on my entire career this Monday night. I love this night. Get a chance to be on the radio and talk about the game while it's in progress, and it's a big one. San Diego State taking on UConn. San Diego State is a seven-point underdog. I love their defense. I love their style of play. They don't have a lot of stars on that team. I think UConn has better players. I think UConn will win the game, but I like San Diego State to cover the spread. If you're betting on that game, we got a lot of listeners who'd like to make money tonight. They'd like to hear your pick. If you have a play on this game tonight, the total, or you just got a side, let us know at 702-365-9200. We'll see if it's a good game. I talked to my famous ticket broker buddy I go to the Super Bowl with every year, Johnny Mack, in Dallas today, and he told me you'll be able to get into the national championship game tonight for less than 100 bucks in the lower bowl. Let that sink in. Less than 100 bucks in the lower bowl because there's no Texas teams there, and Houston was the number one seed, and they didn't make it. San Diego State doesn't travel well. They never have. In Connecticut, it's a tough trip to get from stores Connecticut all the way to Houston, and a lot of people didn't think they'd be there as a four seed, so they didn't buy the packages in advance. So it's going to be a very easy opportunity if you live in and around Houston to go see this game. I'm optimistic because this has been a good tournament for UConn. I saw UConn live at T-Mobile. And I saw them bury Gonzaga. They're a very good team. Danny Hurley connected to his brother Bobby, who won some championships. It's going to be fun to watch. And the Raiders draft, as we're leading with the Raiders draft, pretty much here on out. You'll hear Harry Ruiz. He steps in and hosts for me all the time. He's the Latino voice of the Silver and Black. Plus, he does a lot of other things, including the XFL as the play-by-play voice. And, Harry, how, how are the reps going with Rod Woodson's XFL? Tell me something good about it. That was fun. Five games in, and it was amazing. That was uh, the experience right now with only calling home games. So uh, it was very, very cool being able to mm-hmm. broadcast the games here on Raider Nation Radio 920 AM. Two wins, three defeats, a lot of up and downs, three different starting quarterbacks in those five games. But uh, it was a cool experience being able to be out there at Cashman Field. So thank you to everybody at Lotus Broadcasting yes. for the opportunity. Well-deserved for you. What did you like? I mean, rule changes. You call games for the Raiders inside Allegiant Stadium, but was this a lot different? I was the original voice of the XFL when they came here the first time, and there were 
tremendous rule changes I had to know. What was it like in real time seeing the rules and the changes and going forward or getting a fourth and 15 after a conversion? How, how comfortable were you with that as a broadcaster? Yeah, I went through the rule book three times, and even though I went through the rule book three times, there was always something new, something different. The target zone on the kickoffs was something that caught me off guard at the beginning, which I thought I really understood once I read the rule book, but then I didn't once it happened. But once it, uh, the first kickoff violation happened, then I understood it. Okay, the ball has to land inside the 20. If it lands a yard before that, then it's a, a touchback. And it's gonna, but it's worse than a touchback. It's actually starting in the opposing territory in the 45-yard line. So it's very, very interesting. The extra point situation was, was incredible because the Vegas Vipers in their first six games, they only had points out of three out of their 15 extra point conversions. And then on Saturday, they did so in all of their three touchdowns. So it was very, very interesting, and that's why they won the game, because they were very effective offensively. But it's a different brand of football, but the cool thing is it gives players and coaches time to potentially make that next step in case they can go to the XFL and get into the NFL if they get the opportunity, because training camps kick off after the XFL season is over. Harry Ruiz, the Latino voice of the Raiders, joins us. All right, so in the beginning of April, April 3rd, the draft's at the end of the month. I know you're keeping an eye on some of these mock drafts. What has evolved with you now, understanding that the Raiders have to get the defense fixed, but there's also a potential rumor of quarterback looming where the Raiders can get their quarterback of the future and park them behind Jimmy Garoppolo. Where do you sense they're going? Yeah, they're doing their homework to be prepared to be able to strike in any situation that presents itself. If they're able to get a quarterback that they like, that they observe and they evaluate and that they are confident that can make this franchise better in the immediate future, then they're going to strike and they're going to go for them. That's why they're going to every, they went to every pro day. That's why they evaluated them at the combine. That's why they're keeping tabs and bringing them in for visits out here to Las Vegas, to the Las Vegas area at the Intermountain Healthcare Performance Center. They're ready. If a quarterback is available that they like, they're going to go for them. If not, then they're going to go and get that defensive side of the ball better, something that they've struggled with. And you, can potentially see the Raiders going for a Tyree Wilson, a guy that has impressed a lot mm-hmm. of folks. I don't know what the Jalen Carter situation is, but cornerback, Devin Witherspoon, Christian Gonzalez, I mean, either of those guys is a stud, even the kid from Penn State, Joey Porter Jr. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of opportunities for the Raiders to be able to make this team better, either trading up, trading down, staying put. The Raiders, they got draft capital, and they can make whatever move they can now that they do have that draft capital compared to previous years. Harry Ruiz joins us. Vic Taper, along with several other insiders reporting, Raiders have a couple of quarterbacks visiting this week. Will Levis today, today, Anthony Richardson, coming up. So I think those are the two that they were vetted the most because they met with C.J. Stroud. Obviously, we saw uh, what they're trying to do with Bryce Young, look at him, evaluate him. I don't think they're going to be there. The Raiders... All reports were they attempted to move up to number one. It was a little bit too rich with Chicago to do that deal. But, Harry, I'm leaning towards more of the cornerbacks. I think the cornerbacks will be available. A couple of mock drafts have Devin Witherspoon going back-to-back with Christian Gonzalez. And I think Christian Gonzalez reminds me of uh, Namdi Asamoa at the same time. He's a plug-and-play, bigger, taller, athletic cover corner. And the Raiders need to cover better. I mean, how many games last year did you call – when the Raiders, it was third, nine, third, and ten, they couldn't get off the field. 
and then it's a new fresh set of downs for the opposing team. And then the Raider defense wears down in the fourth quarter and ended up giving up points in games they could have won. I think that's the priority in the secondary if it's not at defensive tackle first. Absolutely. When, when was the last time the Raiders had a stud cornerback that could lead that unit that could eliminate one side of the field for a quarterback with the way that he covered the wide receivers? It's been a very long, long time. I remember going to the Coliseum and knowing that where number 21 was at, Namdi Asoma, that ball wasn't going that way. This wide receiver would barely get any targets in that game because he was a stud cornerback. So if you can add someone in this draft as a Christian Gonzalez, like you mentioned, who, by the way, Colombian blood, very athletic family. His father used to play college basketball at the University of Texas El Paso. His sisters made the Columbia national track and field team. So Christian Gonzalez over at Oregon, he's one of the guys that we're keeping our eyes on. And mm-hmm. like us being in the Raider Nation, on Raider Nation Radio, covering the Raiders uh, every single day. We know the necessities of this team, and we know that they need pressure on the defensive line. We know that they need coverage on that second level, and they need to be able to defend the pass. That's why when I see some mock drafts from folks in the national level that they just say, oh, they lost Aaron Waller. They're going to go for a tight end. Oh, they lost Derek Carr. They're going to go for a quarterback. It's not that simple. There's a lot of holes that need to be filled. And in my opinion, you get the best talent earlier in the draft, and that's where you got to strike and get day one starters. And Christian Gonzalez, if he gets drafted by the Raiders, he would be a day one starter. Harry Ruiz joins us. Yeah, that's my scenario, too. I mean, look, if they're going to park a quarterback and they think that quarterback's the answer, I'm good with it because then that quarterback will be the face of the franchise, no debate. That will be the quarterback going forward that will be the face of the franchise, and that's refreshing. It's good to know that, and and if the Raiders want to do that, they're going to, A, be completely sold on him being that player, and number two, it'll be the face of the franchise going forward, and I think this franchise will need that. But I'm unbelief that Jimmy Garoppolo can run this red zone offense better than Derek Carr. Uh, and not by a lot. I just think what he's going to do is he's going to make quicker, faster decisions in the passing game inside the red zone where Devontae is going to be demanding a double team. Hunter Renfro is an impact player down there. They have a couple of tight ends that are big, oversized, who can get open there. But I think Jacoby Myers, Harry, to me, is going to be the big benefit of Jimmy Garoppolo now because just the way I watched Brandon Ayuk and Debo Samuel, the ball came out very quickly to those guys at the line of scrimmage and they were able to make plays sometimes behind the line of scrimmage on critical down and distance. And I think that's what Garoppolo is going to do very well with Myers who's going to be opposite Devontae Adams. Yeah, and with all due respect for the other wide receivers in that room over in New England, Jacoby Myers was the wide receiver one for them. And mm-hmm. He led the team in reception yards in all the last three years after his rookie season. And if he was able to do that in New England with that wide receiver room, now can you imagine what he's going to be able to do when Devontae Adams gets a double coverage, when you have to keep your eye on Hunter Renfro up the middle in the slot? Jacoby Myers, he's going to be a big, big benefactor out of this offensive scheme from Josh McDaniels and Josh McDaniels knows how to use these kind of weapons. He's done so before with a Wes Welker, with a Danny Amendola, with all those guys out there in New England, which then they would go on to other places and they weren't as effective as they were with the Patriots. Now, 
they're coming out of Jacoby's coming out of New England, but coming to a system that he knows very well. The system that he played for for a couple of years out there with Josh McDaniels. So yeah, this Raiders offense has a lot of potential, and it's going to be a huge difference if you can get that red zone efficiency to go up a couple of notches and look at the difference with those games that were one possession games last year for the Raiders. If you switch a field goal that was three points to a touchdown, which could potentially be seven and the Raiders, instead of being Mm. a six win team, we wouldn't be talking about a top 10 pick right now. So that red zone efficiency is going to be very, very important. Los Dodgers tied with the Padres. Padres dropped their first two, one, two in a row. How are you feeling about Dodger baseball? You got four, two and two teams there already. I think the Dodgers are a little bit off from where they were last year, still a loaded team, but I think it's going to take a lot of work for them. How would you enjoy the opening weekend of Major League Baseball, especially with the pitch clock? I watched every inning of Dodger baseball this past weekend, uh, JT, even though on Saturday I was at a movie theater watching the uh, sneak peek of air the Nike movie that's coming think? out this week. I had the phone on my lap watching Clayton Kershaw <laughs> pitch a fantastic game against um, the Arizona Diamondbacks. I love the the starting pitching, did fantastic, but the more things change with the Dodgers, the more they stay the same. It's incredible that on opening day, they scored eight runs. The next day, they score one. On Saturday, they scored ten runs. On Sunday, they score one run. It's the same situation but i'm very happy very pleased with julio Rias, with dustin may with kershaw with Syndergaard. they did great in their starting in their first starts of the season so if the starting pitching mm-hmm. can stay together and give this team the opportunity to win games they'll be able to do so even though this year there was no big free agent signing for the boys in blue how was the movie air did you enjoy it ben affleck uh, matt damon what'd you think i enjoyed it i liked it i mean I like Clayton Kershaw pitching better because he was amazing on the mound, but uh, it was I had a good time watching the movie. So if you guys want to go check it out, do so. I had to have my schedule cleared for this weekend because I might be going to Arizona to go watch the Dodgers, and then next Monday I'm going to be in San Francisco to watch them out there against the Giants. Good for you, buddy. Talk to you soon, and thanks for the countdown to the draft. Talk to you in a little bit. Absolutely. Take care, JTA, and congratulations to Julie. Thank you. Appreciate it. Wife's birthday's today, and uh, we're excited about that. She does a lot. She does a lot, no doubt about it. Uh, a lot of my listeners and friends and friends on and off the air know my wife, and uh, we we pay tribute to my wife today. I wish my sons were in town. My youngest son is coming back from college for Easter because he goes to ASU, and we get him these little $60 flights, and he pops in and out, which I'm okay with. I miss my sons. And then we're counting down. I'm going to need Harry in here for me, uh, hosting some shows for me, because we're going back in May to Oklahoma, where my son's about to graduate college on time in four years, which will be a tremendous accomplishment, and we're happy about that. So Harry will jump in as we go back to Norman, Oklahoma. And not only do we have to go to graduation, we've got to bring him home. Got to bring him home from that, because uh, he'll be coming back to Vegas, and we're excited about what he has in front of him. Mike in Staten, Italy. What's going on, Mikey? Good to see you last weekend. At the Wahlburgers new open, man. That was a fun night, wasn't it? Uh, a little crazy, but yeah, always, <laughs> always good times. You know, uh, uh, it's nice when a, a famous family like that, like the Salt of the Earth, uh, JT, their regular guys talked a lot of uh, Patriot football and Raider football with uh, with Marky, and uh, very, very interesting. Uh, they are jaded with winning all those championships mm-hmm. with the Patriots. And I told them, um, you know, a, a Jet fan and a transplant Raider fan, uh, they felt my condolences, but uh, really, really nice family. Hey, JT, there is no shot, and I'm telling you, there is no shot that the first-round pick, 
the draft capital for the Raiders are going quarterback. They're going offensive lineman or cornerback. Either one, they're going. There's no way that they're drafting a quarterback. There's too much pressure on on the, the this new regime to put that maybe in the third or fourth round where they find a, a you know a, a Purdy or you know a hidden gem to park. Let 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 Jimmy G run this and give him weapons behind them. Let's get the ball back. Let's get the ball back on the 40. Let's get the ball around midfield and let him do his magic. Run a West Coast offense. Jay, again, I understand they're going to do that. And, like, they come from the Belichick tree that they're going to leave every stone unturned. But there's no way, JT, they're running that. Yeah, Mikey, I appreciate the call. Good to hear from you. Great seeing you out here in Vegas. Uh, I, I don't. I don't like the quarterback this early. If they had the fourth pick or the third pick, they'd have to go quarterback. You just have to. But here at seven, I think they're going to get a great defensive player. Not a good player, a great defensive starter, a defensive tackle, a corner. If I was a betting man, which I'm not, I'd bet tonight that they go defense and they give Patrick Graham some help. Patrick Graham needs some help on the defensive side of the ball. So quick story. So the Wahlburger, they opened up another burger shop in Mandalay Bay. And their opening was earlier in the day. And I had to work. You know, I do my show from 6 to 9 at night. So I get off at 9 at night. And the after party for the Wahlburgers grand opening was the rooftop at Caesars where they filmed the movie Hangover. That suite. Remember the Tiger and Mike Tyson and all that? We were in that suite, which they don't open up very often. You can imagine Mark Wahlberg and the people surrounding that, the people who worked underneath him, whatever it was. I got to this event with a couple of my friends. And I've, I've been lucky enough. I've lived in Vegas a long time, as you know. I've been here since 96. So I've been to the best suites in town. I've been to the mansion and MGM. I've been lucky over the years with charity work or events to go to these super suites. This was next level. Oh, my God. They had a golf driving simulator. These hot tubs that you went upstairs and you walked around these stairs and hot tubs inside. The kitchen, the residency. Just an unbelievable experience crazy so they opened up a, another establishment over there in mandalay bay next to re-raw around there i'd encourage everybody to go there good people behind the scenes as mikey said he does security and he was there for that and we had a lot of fun 702-365-9200 hey i'm not laying up on this topic today and i don't get shut out on a topic on what happened in the lsu iowa championship game caitlin clark was she being disrespected by the queen of college basketball the new queen the national champion I don't know. I thought it was pretty good trash talk, in my opinion. How'd you see it? We're staying on that topic. I got opinions on it on the other side. On the difference between male and female trash talking. Honestly, I have no idea. I was just trying to get to the handshake line and shake hands and, you know, be grateful that my team was in that position. Uh, I was just trying to, you know, spend the last few moments on the court with, especially the five people that I've started 93 games with um, and relishing every second of that. Welcome back here on Monday, uh, night of the national championship game for men's basketball on Raider Nation Radio. Hope everybody Again, had a great weekend as we continue. All of our guests this week, everything that we're stressing here over the next three weeks or so is going to be the NFL draft here on the flagship of the Silver and Black. And we're working hard behind the scenes to try to get guests and mock draft experts and analysts and all of that so we can kind of 
put our fingers on what the writers are going to do, even though we don't know what they're going to do, but that's what we do on this calendar this time of year. We wonder who's going to go in the draft, why, if the writers will move up or back, and what's going to happen there. So there's plenty of that, and we think we have it all covered for you coming up. There's a couple of things I wanted to talk about. I mentioned in the first hour I want to get to again. I take pride on being accurate and being live on the radio when events happen. I take pride also, if you listen to the show, in interviewing guests, asking the right questions, and trying to get you the information that you'd want to hear. But last night was fascinating to me because there are many times I get to go first because I've predominantly been on throughout my career at night. And I love being on at night because that's when sports is live and events happen. And after the event happens, I have to quickly come up with an opinion before the newspaper and all the journalists write the columns and they appear the next day. I really love that about the business. It's probably what I enjoy the most is to be able to not have to have my hand held, watch a sporting event and say, this is what I think in real time. And last night I was able to do that with the women's national championship game coming on because of what happened with Angel Reese and what was going on with Caitlin Clark, and a little bit of that trash talking that was going on, which I knew would be a big topic on Monday. And I spent, and another big thing is, 26 years on the radio, we don't cover women's athletics enough. We don't. And it's, it's a fault to sports radio, which is predominantly dominated by men. There's not enough women in the business. There's not enough women talking about this on a big, big, big stage. And last night, it was very easy to me to see what was going on in this situation. Kim Mulkey, the head coach of LSU, she played there. That was her fourth championship. She was dressed up wildly. She had on that tiger print LSU, and everybody's going crazy. Everybody doesn't even like her. She's someone that is very polarizing. But what happened is it came down to the two best players on the court, and there was some disrespect from some for Angel Reese. Because she did the John Cena hand wave in front of her face. You can't see me. And then when the game was pretty much winding down, she pointed to a ring finger. The same way Aaron Donald did when he won with the Rams and they won the Super Bowl and got to Joe Burrow on that last play. She pointed to a ring finger to signify a championship. And the internet broke. The internet broke because probably a bunch of white men went on the internet on Twitter and called her classless. It started with Dave Portnoy, the founder of Barstool, who called her a piece of blank. Once that happened, everybody from Al Horford's wife from the Celtics, so many people came to the defense of Angel Reese because Caitlin Clark did the same thing where she waved her hand in front of her face when they put down Louisville. And she's a white player. So right when it happened, I said to myself, here we go with race. Here we go with race. This is going to be a racial issue. A predominantly black basketball team dominated a predominantly white basketball team, blew them out, and everybody was going to talk about race. It's okay for the white, great basketball player to do it, but when the black gal does it, it's classless. So I'm on during real time with this and got one producer in my ear, and we're talking about this, and we opened up the phones last night on Mad Dog Sports Radio, Sirius XM 82, and... I had nine lines banked all night. Everybody wanted to talk about this. And it gets dangerous when you mix race and sports, but we're very comfortable doing that now, and I am, because I have no problem talking race. If you've listened to me, I don't see race, 
as a negativity. Okay, I, I look at it. I embrace the topics from everything. We, I did a summer of George Floyd and interviewed African-American legends and journalists and all that. I'm very comfortable talking race because of my upbringing and who I grew up with and how I'm comfortable talking about it. So I'm never worried about going to the Bob wire fence, going to the end of the cliff. I'm pretty comfortable with my opinions when it comes to race relations and how to tie it into sports. But last night, the word that was trending was classless. And the amount of people that were calling or tweeting on this topic, calling her a thug, it's classless, was over the top. And it took me five seconds to realize it wasn't over the top. What was happening here was they were showing tremendous emotion. They're in the middle of a championship game. And Angel Reese is the player of the tournament in the Final Four in this game. And I think that Caitlin Clark played a better tournament. She had the first ever male or female 40-point triple-double. Brilliant to watch. So I tuned into the game. I wanted to see the quality basketball. Now, with men's college basketball, I was at the Gonzaga-UConn game here at T-Mobile. I thought it was a terribly played game. And the women's side of basketball at times could be terribly played. There are missed shots all the time, men and female. But when the females miss the shot, oh, my God, the sport's terrible. The men miss it. It's a different story. They're just cold. They lost their hot streak and all that. But when I watched the game, and I wanted to see this because of Caitlin Clark, with all due respect to LSU, LSU wasn't South Carolina. South Carolina was clearly the best team in women's basketball by a mile. And Iowa took them out. And Iowa took them out because Caitlin Clark was amazing. And she single-handedly took them out. And South Carolina looked on in shock. Another predominantly African-American female team. And a lot of people wanted South Carolina to get beat because they thought they were rough and tough and pushed people around, bigger, stronger, played a more physical brand. And the head coach of South Carolina touched on that. She heard all the backlash and she read it on Twitter, I'm presuming, and looked at all that. So when I watched South Carolina get beat, and Clark finished with 30 points on 9 of 22 shooting. I mean, this is someone who just keeps shooting. She's Steph Curry. She's absolutely Steph Curry. She comes out. She's allowed to take any shot wherever she wants. And she gets most of the attention from the college, the women's college basketball media. And it reminded me a lot of Larry Bird, another great white player who in 1979, when they went up against Magic Johnson, I never heard of Larry Bird until he started going on this unbelievable run that year. And he was on the cover of Sports Illustrated. I was a kid who collected Sports Illustrated. A lot of us did that growing up as kids. The new generation has no idea what I'm talking about. But growing up in the 70s and 80s, Sports Illustrated would come to my house. And I remember looking at the covers. And I don't care if it was Pete Banaszak on the cover, the legendary Raider running back, or it was Larry Bird, whoever, you remembered it. And Larry Bird at that time was fantastic. And then everybody watched him in the tournament lose to Magic Johnson, and that was before the internet and before Twitter, and a lot of people at the time thought that Magic was too flashy, he was too arrogant, he was always laughing and smiling and all that, and Magic ended up turning out with Bird to be two of the top five or six greatest players to ever play in NBA history. So maybe last night we saw two of the greatest female college basketball players, I don't know what's going to happen in the WNBA, how great they're going to be. But to see what we saw last night, to me, was just good old trash talking. And mostly men who make up sports radio and make up sports journalism can't handle it. They just thought it was over the top. 
they were too excited about winning, and then it got ugly because as the crowd was chanting LSU, as the clock was ticking down, there was Angel Reese pointing at a ring finger as the crowd chanted LSU, LSU, as the final minutes ticked away, final seconds ticked away. And Clark had an unbelievable game. You know, back-to-back performances of 41 points, including that upset of South Carolina. She had, excuse me, 30 points. She had an off game, 9-22, of in the championship game. So last night was a great example of how Twitter can take everything and make it worse. You heard the word classless trending. You saw it. Then you heard about thug. The word thug came out a lot. And amazing the reaction by so many men who last night thought it was thuggery and classless because a black player who is super unique and great decided to get in the face or taunt. And that's one of the things I learned on my show last night, that a lot of people thought it was taunting. A lot of people thought that Angel Reese was tracking down Caitlin Clark to make that hand gesture and taunting her, which is fair. I took calls from men and women on that topic last night, and everybody was talking about it. Emmanuel Acho from Fox Sports 1 tweeted, If it wasn't classless when Caitlin Clark did it, don't call it classless when Angel Reese does it. Let the women compete at sports. I agree with that. I think that makes a lot of sense. Shannon Sharp earlier today on Undisputed. When Caitlin Clark did it, it was swag. But when Angel Reese does it, it's classless. It's very clear this is not about anything else but race. A lot of truth to that. I often say on the radio, I'm just a white guy behind the microphone. If African-Americans or minorities have an opinion that's different than mine, I accept that opinion. Ann Horford, the wife of Al Horford, the great NBA player, she went crazy calling out Dave Portnoy. She talked about the fact that, you know, a black college girl is, quote, a classless piece of blank after she wins a national championship. LMAO, laugh my ass off. You can't make this up. Robert Griffin III, RG3, who I think is exceptional as an analyst, really good. He went out and reacted to Danny Cannell. I work with Danny Cannell on Sirius XM. Danny Cannell tweeted, what a classless move by Angel Reese, doing way too much to taunt Clark. Man, that has over 670 retweets. And RG3 came back and said, if you didn't say it was classless when Caitlin Clark did it to her opponents, then don't say it about Angel Reese either. Jay Williams, one of the greatest college basketball players of all time, was Jason Williams, Jay Williams. Uh, and he had the motorcycle accident, didn't go on to have a great NBA career, but he's on the radio and TV. He said, Tom Brady, one of the biggest trash talkers of all time. Michael Jordan is the biggest trash talker ever. They get glorified because they win, right? Are they classless? No. So what I see here, there's a guy by the name of Jose de uh, Jesus Ortiz. And I clicked on again. He's a former St. Louis Post-Dispatch sports columnist and a beat writer for the Rays, the Astros, and the Mets. Again, Jose de Jesus Ortiz. He tweeted out last night, this is classless. Angel Reese is only 20. So she's still young, but taunting Caitlin Clark like this shows a pure lack of class. Win with class, lose with class, play with class. Clark's mom and dad can be proud that their daughter ignored the taunting and raised her right. Well, they're just showing the picture of Caitlin 
doing the same exact thing. So why do I bring this up? Because it's uncomfortable. And I don't mind radio that's uncomfortable. I don't mind taking calls on this at 702-365-9200. We are not comfortable with women, period, on sports talk radio. Serena berated umpires. Serena lost her mind playing tennis. She fought back. She was highly emotional in those tennis matches, being arguably the greatest tennis player of all time, male or female. And when she did it, the internet broke because people thought she was out of control and classless. You got to be comfortable in sports. Draymond Green is probably the best example of a guy who I believe is classless. He taunts referees every game. He yells at his opponent. Profanity the entire game. He's a physical player. He's got four championship rings. If a woman acted like Draymond Green, are you kidding me? What would we do? We'd go crazy. We couldn't believe it. So last night was an important night for me as a sports talk radio host because I often am at fault. I don't talk enough women's sports. I don't. I talk about Serena from time to time. I don't talk about women's golf. I don't talk about a lot of topics. Obviously, the NFL, when it comes to it, is different. The WNBA here in town, we have a world championship team. I touch on it a little bit. I don't do a ton of it when it comes to women's sports, and I'm at fault with that. But last night was a sport that was relatable to everyone. And I think the uh, reaction on Twitter was terrible by a lot of white men who couldn't handle a young, a beautiful African-American star player who dominated the predominantly white team of Iowa. And at the end, she showed a lot of emotion. Was it perfect? No, it wasn't perfect. But we live in a copycat society today. And if you're driving around in your car, listening to me now, I appreciate you. And you got a daughter who plays youth basketball. They're all going to do this. It's a copycat world. Get ready. You're going to see your daughter start to use that John Cena, you can't see me, put their hand in front of their face when they're playing 11- and 12-year-old youth basketball here in Las Vegas or wherever you're listening. You're going to see young 14-year-old girls in middle school or on their JV team hit a three-point shot and run down the court and start hitting their ring finger because they're going to copy what the gals do, their heroes do. So I embrace it. I thought it was good last night. It's a little trash-talking. No one should be offended at trash-talking. You know, I don't like the back flip, the bat flip in baseball. I don't. I think if you do that, you can get hit in the ribs with a 100-mile-an-hour fastball. You will. You could, but we're starting to get looser on these unwritten rules. So we saw two great basketball teams go at it. LSU was clearly better in this game. It got everybody talking about the sport. I'm talking about it today. I talked about it last night. I'm fitting it in on an NFL predominant channel here because I thought it was important to at least handle the topic and do it live. And then I slept on it last night and woke up today, and just like I predicted last night, Sunday night, all the debate shows would be talking about this ad nauseum. Everybody would be talking about it, and it would become a racial matter, a racial issue, because we live in a society now of racial clickbait, where there are people that left sports to get into politics, or there are other people with other websites, and the only way they can get clicks is by making everything racial. I don't care if the white girl is there and she's euphoric and celebrating and she jumps up in the air and makes some type of gesture and if she's trash-talking to the other team, I could live with it. And same with the young African-American girl doing it. We should all embrace this. Is it perfect? I don't know. I mean, there's rules with trash-talking. you got to back it up. LSU backed it up. 
Angel Reese backed it up. She was the player of the game. She's fantastic. She calls herself the Bayou Barbie, and she believes that she's bringing more eyeballs to college basketball, women's college basketball. She's absolutely right. I know who she is now. I'll remember her, and I know who Caitlin Clark is. So women's college basketball has always been on the map, dating back to Pat Summon and before that, Gino Oriema and the rise of UConn basketball. But we're talking about it more today than I ever expected because two great players were going at it. And Caitlin Clark didn't even want to make eye contact with Angel Reese because she knew she got beat. And the opponent that beat her had the right to celebrate. Was it classless? No. To me, it wasn't classless. Was it taunting? Yeah, it was taunting. That's not the end of the world. You don't go to jail for taunting. And the referees were brutal in that game. Kim Mulkey, the head coach of LSU, at one point almost bumped into a ref, and the ref had to push her away, and she didn't get a technical foul, and Caitlin Clark did for tossing a ball behind her back to the referee. So the refs were awful in this game. I think there was a lot of emotion, and a lot of the country wanted to see Iowa win and take out uh, South Carolina and LSU. Didn't happen. LSU are your champs. 702-365-9200. If you'd like to call in on this, and the definition of taunting and the difference between female and male taunting. I'd love to take a call on that. And if not, just hit me up via Twitter, where a lot of people are anonymous and say things they wouldn't say if they called into a radio show. At JT the Brick. Mock draft coverage all week with the powers of Raiders.com, all my resources around the league as we get you ready for the NFL draft later on this month. And the Raiders presumably picking seventh if they don't move up or move back. On Raider Nation Radio, 920 AM. Okay, on the call, the second longest home run of Stanton's entire career, 485, 490 feet estimated. JT, back with you. Late addition to the show tomorrow, early in the show, 12.05 tomorrow, Fred Bolitnikoff joins us. We're going to help Freddie in the golf tournament coming up here, raises money and proceeds go to Tracy Bolitnikoff's legacy and the Bolitnikoff Foundation. So Fred Bolitnikoff tomorrow. At 12.05, right out of the gate, we'll have a nice long conversation. Freddie, maybe talk about his draft process, what went on with his career. Whenever we have an opportunity to talk to Fred Bolitnikoff, we move him right to the top of the show. And we're going to do heavy draft, mock drafts. We're going to be all over it here as we're ready to roll. There is news today. Jalen Carter, the best defensive tackle in the draft, claims now he's declining visits with any teams that are selecting out of the top 10 in this month's draft. His agent, Drew Rosenhaus, told that to Adam Schefter. This guy's something. I mean, his stock is dropping significantly, and it could drop all the way to the Raiders at number seven. Could drop to the Raiders at number seven, and he's that elite and fantastic. Remember, he was involved. He was connected into reckless driving in a race last month in connection with a fatal crash in January. He was sentenced to 12 months of probation, a $1,000 fine, and 80 hours of community 
service, the draft status there on that and what could happen here. His attorney's on the offensive. He still thinks he's going to go really high in the draft, and he probably will because he's a tremendous talent. Now, Mitch in Jersey, wrap it up, Mitch. Thanks for waiting. Go ahead. Hey, JT, thanks for taking my call. Before we get to uh, the women's basketball, somebody brought up uh, Aaron Judge. Well, USC uh, recruited this guy, uh, Zeus Robinson. Kind of reminds me of Aaron Judge. He's a real good tight end and a good baseball player. So keep that uh, name involved. I know you, you, you know a lot of names. Hey, I, I think if you can dish it, you can take it. It's nice guy in the home run. Be a little bit of a hot dog. I'm sure Kaylin was uh, given it, so she's got to be able to take it. I love I loved the little law. Uh, yeah, oh, I, yeah. I, I talked a lot about this today. I appreciate it. And I'm going to do it. I'm a sports talk host, and that's what I wanted to talk about today. I thought it was a big topic. I don't think a lot of people connected on it, per se, but I'm good with it because I thought it was huge. Massive topic, and we got to expand on this show and talk more about sports when the topics are enormous. And what happened with Angel Reese, and I, I think one of the best players I've ever seen, and Caitlin Carter was a big storyline. Huge storyline, and you heard me talk about it in two monologues today. I'm very passionate about giving women the proper attention they deserve when they win championships or they win gold medals or in their performance, just like the men. And I think a lot of men don't know how to handle this topic, unfortunately. They don't. It's an uncomfortable topic, and that's Sports Talk Radio. Sports Talk Radio at times is going to be a little bit uncomfortable when we bring up something like that. But it's a copycat world that we live in. And we're becoming a lazier and lazier sports society. It's something I always say. We like controversy. We like gossip when it comes to men. We don't know how to handle the success of women or the criticism of women on sports radio. We don't have enough women radio hosts, update anchors, uh, people behind the scenes. I've said that. I've championed that throughout the course of my career with the women that I've worked with in sports talk radio. I wish there was a lot more because their voices need to be heard. So we got a big rest of the week here. More on the Raider draft. Red Bolitnikoff tomorrow. Jeff Sherman, VP of Risk Management over at the Westgate. We'll talk to him. I'll be on tonight on Sirius XM 82 during the national championship game, which is always upbeat and exciting to watch the game and kind of do a little play-by-play in the background and take calls while the game's in progress. I hope it is a good game. Uh, Usually they are. These games always come down to the wire and some great shining moments. Oh, and it's Jim Nance's last game that he'll ever broadcast in college basketball. Jim Nance for decades has been going from the national championship game on Monday right to Augusta National to broadcast the Masters. He's had an incredible career. I don't know why he's stepping away from basketball. Ian Eagle will take over for him after, another friend and good broadcaster. But this will be the last television broadcast for Jim Nance and one shining moment. I think a lot of people are going to tune in to see that. He's one of the greatest sports broadcasters of all time. And I think he'll be highly emotional during this broadcast, especially when it's winding down at the end of the game. So I'm looking forward to seeing that. And then the rest of the week, draft, draft, draft. And we'll be telling you what we'll be doing with the draft parties. The Raiders, the organization is having a big draft party, which will be associated with the Black Hole, our partners here on the radio. They have a massive draft party coming up for all fans who are coming in from out of town. And then all of our proud partners, including the DeCastaverde Law Group, 702-222-9999. If you get into an accident, Alex and Orlando to Castaverde, a family-run business dating back to their dad and his tremendous legacy in Nevada will help you navigate that along the way and hopefully win your case. 702-222-9999. Q's coming up next. I'll be back tonight again in a couple hours on Sirius XM 82 
and here all week on the flagship of the Raiders, Raider Nation Radio. Bobby, great job. Thanks to Harry Ruiz, Tom Brennan for joining us, the former basketball coach. Have a great night, everyone.